Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet, looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons, joined by Katie Flower, official podcast of UTHDynasty.com, home with over 300 premium podcasts annually. So if you like this show, you want to get more in-depth, uh, we have some very focused podcasts, whether it's rookie draft, startup draft, player-centric, trading, etc. Actually, I have a series coming out this week. We're going to start looking and building some profiles of the 2021 class, some of the most relevant you know, 15, 20, 25 players. Hopefully, that type of series gets us all the way uh, to talking about lead-up to the 2020 NFL season, which would be great. Also have a UTH trade calculator on there, forward-thinking custom for over a dozen formats and three different team directions. So a lot to check out. Money-back guarantee. Never been a better time to sign up over there at uthdynasty.com. And Katie, we're going to have a little more fun this week. We've got a couple of news items, but nothing too serious. So I think it's a good time to kind of talk about uh, some, some some overarching things between the two of us. So I thought uh, a quasi-get-to-know-you, but I know we do- dove into a lot of your stories. Um, and I got a few questions I wanted to go over with you as we... Uh, again, get to do our hangout on a weekly basis as we do. This is the one time, most of the time, we get a chance to actually talk is here on air for UTH. Um, and I wanted to ask, because I'll answer these questions as well. If you could go back in time, to, to, to just starting out, uh, if you want to think of your first startup draft or just the early years, knowing everything you know now, all the experience you have, if you could go back in time, help yourself out, almost back to the future type, uh, what would you... Uh, what knowledge would you impart? Is there a specific point uh, of reference where you're like, man, if I knew this earlier, that would just be better for me. And I'd probably be happier if I if I had the knowledge of future Katie in this, in this capacity. Sure. So let me just tell the listeners that I'm on vacation this week. My nephew is here from out of town. We've been building some projects, having some fun, getting in the pool. Tonight, he cooked dinner for me, which was nice. I love to cook. You know I love to cook and I'm a badass cook. But I've taught him everything I know. And, and this kid threw down, man. We had Philly cheesesteaks with fresh peppers from my garden and uh, steak that we had the other night. He just sliced it thin, rehydrated uh, with some IPA beer on the smoker grill, and then added the onions and peppers and the cheese. It was fantastic. But on top of that, I just so I just wanted to prowl you with that just in case i'm slurring well, can i tell you something about philly cheesesteak yes of course i've number one i've never had one okay number two there's this uh, so we're, we're back in a similar area so total now we've lived in in this certain area for about three years uh over the last say four or five and there's a beach park uh, a few miles down the road that has one of those uh food kind of truck trailer things but it's quasi-permanent i mean it's there all the time and it says world's best 
Philly cheesesteaks. Now, keep in mind, we're in Florida, Katie. Right, so I'm, right. I'm, I'm very skeptical of this sign and this moniker is the world's best. But what I did say is at some point, I need to try it because, I mean, the expectations are so high. But also, I've never had one. And to be 40 plus years old, I'm a man, like Mike Gundy was a few years ago, that uh, I feel like I, I have to try one. And yet, I know being in Philadelphia or the Northeast would probably be a better gauge uh for my first experience but that's just not there's no eta for that so i feel like that uh proclamation down the road i need to try it yeah well, what should i be looking for what makes a good what makes a good cheesesteak well for one thing thinly sliced beef very thin okay gotta have the onions and the peppers and they gotta be grilled and okay. then on top of that i use swiss cheese but you can they use like cheese whiz and other different cheeses um, weird um, and it sh- so it should be white cheese or could it also be uh cheddar or i mean is it typically swiss or for I me mean? and i'm not from philly and i don't i mean the authentic cheesesteak i believe is with cheese whiz and i'm not really? a, a yeah and i'm not a okay. big cheese whiz type person i personally like to melt either swiss or slices of cheddar or whatever your favorite cheese is Okay. You can't go wrong, in my opinion. If you got that thinly sliced beef with the peppers and the onions on a hoagie bun with mayonnaise, and then you add whatever your favorite cheese and let it melt. It's got to be very melty, and when yeah, you yeah. bite it, you got to pull. You got to pull that cheese away from your face, like a good slice of pizza. It should be like string cheese, where you get the big lines going right when you're when you're eating it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And uh, all right. So, how about the bun? Do they toast the bun? Is it supposed to be kind of soggy and soft? What's the consistency it's, like? For it's that? more like just a, a grinder roll, a hoagie roll. I don't know. Do they serve it cold and put yeah. the hot stuff inside? Yes. Okay. All right. At least I have some cues to go for. So, back to you and uh, giving uh, Katie from a few years ago. Advice. Right. So, the one thing that I would add from my early dynasty years is the bridge player. I never realized how important the bridge player was when you've got a group of young guys. You've got a startup dynasty league. Year one doesn't matter as much as all the other leagues or all the other years. But in order to bridge the gap between when you're starting up and trying to be young to being competitive, the bridge players help you bridge that gap. And there's bridge players, there's super bridge players. I experienced that firsthand in order to escalate. Instead of waiting three to four years to compete, because a lot of people are like, you go with young players, you're going to wait three to four years to compete. You're going to be contributing your money to the league till, and you're not going to be competitive. But if you choose the right bridge players, your young guys can seep and, and, uh, simmer and wait until they're ready to hit and your bridge players will bridge that gap but yet you've still got some strong young guys that you can count on and it just helps you make it to the championship a year or two or under the helmet you do your thing all right don't be nervous okay the show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football it's the moment right here we're gonna have to decide what, what type of team we want to be Building dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? 
Chad Parsons. Tell you, man, you leading the league in hydration. I got a dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet, looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons, joined by Katie Flower, official podcast of UTHDynasty.com, home with over 300 premium podcasts annually. So if you like this show, you want to get more in-depth, uh, we have some very focused podcasts, whether it's rookie draft, startup draft, player-centric, trading, etc. Actually, I have a series coming out this week. We're going to start looking and building some profiles of the 2021 class, some of the most relevant you know, 15, 20, 25 players. Hopefully, that type of series gets us all the way uh, to talking about lead-up to the 2020 NFL season, which would be great. Also have a UTH trade calculator on there, forward-thinking custom for over a dozen formats and three different team directions. So a lot to check out. Money back guarantee. Never been a better time to sign up over there at UTHDynasty.com. And Katie, we're going to have a little more fun this week. We've got a couple of news items, but nothing too serious. So I think it's a good time to kind of talk about uh, some, some some overarching things between the two of us. So I thought uh, a quasi get to know you, but I know we do- dove into a lot of your stories. Um, and I got a few questions I wanted to go over with you as we, uh, again, get to do our hangout on a weekly basis as we do. This is the one time, most of the time, we get a chance to actually talk is here on air for UTH. Um, and I wanted to ask, because I'll answer these questions as well. If you could go back in time, to, to, to just starting out, uh, if you want to think of your first startup draft or just the early years, knowing everything you know now, all the experience you have, if you could go back in time, help yourself out, almost back to the future type, uh, what would you, uh, what knowledge would you impart? Is there a specific point uh, of reference where you're like, man, if I knew this earlier, that would just be better for me. And I'd probably be happier if I, if I had the knowledge of future Katie in this, in this capacity. Sure. So let me just tell the listeners that I'm on vacation this week. My nephew is here from out of town. We've been building some projects, having some fun, getting in the pool. Tonight, he cooked dinner for me, which was nice. I love to cook. You know I love to cook, and I'm a badass cook. But I've taught him everything I know. And and this kid threw down, man. We had Philly cheesesteaks with fresh peppers from my garden and uh, steak that we had the other night. He just sliced it thin, uh, rehydrated with some IPA beer on the smoker grill and then added the onions and peppers and the cheese. It was fantastic. But on top of that, I just, so I just wanted to prowl you with that just in case I'm slurring. Well, can I tell you something about Philly cheesesteaks? Yes, of course. I've Number one, I've never had one. Okay. Number two, there's this, uh, so we're, we're back in a similar area. So total now we've lived in, in this certain area for about three years uh, over the last, say, four or five. And... There's a beach park uh, a few miles down the road that has one of those uh, food kind of truck trailer things, but it's quasi-permanent. I mean, it's there all the time. And it says, world's best Philly cheesesteaks. Now, keep in mind, we're in Florida, Katie. Right, so I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'm very skeptical of this sign and this moniker is the world's best. But what I did say is at some point, I need to try it because... 
I mean, the expectations are so high, but also I've never had one. And to be 40 plus years old, I'm a man like Mike Gundy was a few years ago that uh, I feel like I, I have to try one. And yet I know being in Philadelphia or the Northeast would probably be a better gauge uh, for my first experience, but that's just not, there's no ETA for that. So I feel like that uh, proclamation down the road, I need to try it. Yeah. What should I be looking for? What makes a good, what makes a good cheesesteak? Well, for one thing, thinly sliced beef. Very thin, okay. Got to have the onions and the peppers, and they got to be grilled. And then on top of that, I use Swiss cheese, but you can, they use like Cheese Whiz and other different cheeses. um, Weird. Um, So it should be white cheese, or could it also be uh, cheddar, or, I mean, is it typically Swiss? or For me, and I'm not from Philly, and I don't, I mean... The authentic cheesesteak, I believe, is with Cheese Whiz. And I'm not really? a, a, yeah, and I'm not a okay. big Cheese Whiz type person. I personally like to melt either Swiss or slices of cheddar or whatever your favorite cheese is. Okay. You can't go wrong, in my opinion. If you got that thinly sliced beef with the peppers and the onions on a hoagie bun with mayonnaise, and then you add whatever your favorite cheese and let it melt. It's got to be very melty, and when yeah, you yeah. bite it, you gotta pull. You gotta pull that cheese away from your face, like a good slice of pizza. It should be like string cheese, where you get the big lines going, right? When you're when you're eating it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And uh, all right. So, how about the bun? Do they toast the bun? Is it supposed to be kind of soggy and soft? What's the consistency it's, like? For it's that? more like just a. a grinder roll a hoagie roll i don't know Do they serve it cold and put yeah. the hot stuff inside yes okay all right at least i have some cues to go for so back to you and uh giving uh katie from a few years ago advice. right so the one thing that i would add from my early dynasty years is the bridge player i never realized how important the bridge player was when you've got a group of young guys you've got a startup dynasty league Year one doesn't matter as much as all the other leagues or all the other years. But in order to bridge the gap between when you're starting up and trying to be young to being competitive, the bridge players help you bridge that gap. And there's bridge players, there's super bridge players. I experienced that firsthand in order to escalate. Instead of waiting three to four years to compete, because a lot of people are like, you go with young players, you're going to wait three to four years to compete. You're going to be contributing your money to the league till, and you're not going to be competitive. But if you choose the right bridge players, your young guys can seep and and, uh, simmer and wait until they're ready to hit, and your bridge players will bridge that gap, but yet you've still got some strong young guys that you can count on and it just helps you make it to the championship a year or two earlier and that's what I would have changed if I would have known that back then but it really didn't take that much to get to that recollection or that point where it's like okay I know I need a bridge player. I don't want to go old with all my guys, but there's key value players every year. Mix in two, three, four of them. 
you know, yes. makes a difference. Is yes, what you're saying. Yeah. exactly. You know, I mean, you can do you can do 85 percent of you know what you're what you're saying, and then if you mix in that other fifteen twenty percent, now you really got something. Yeah, you know, and you I got mean, that right. you got that yin and yang going. I've on. won leagues with young teams. Yeah, but the key factor each time has been mixing in the right bridge players. And you may not need it at every position. At, That's right, the thing. Ex- it may just exactly. be one or two at certain positions. Exactly. That may be all you need. That's right. And um, the I, one thing I... Oh, sorry. Go I, ahead. My last comment was just going to be, even now, I still want to grow my running backs organically. That has not changed. Not one bit. Okay. Uh, the thing I would say, thinking back, was I thought that I needed to have super depth and you know uh, a secondary option a tertiary option of what if this goes wrong what if this guy gets hurt and all of that had to be on my roster and I remember doing that when I was executing my first startup draft and that saying that man well what if my starter is out what if my second guy isn't very good if I draft a young guy ooh, what you know what if they're not you know what if they don't develop and and I thought so I really didn't give as much even though it was a deeper league I didn't give much credo to the waiver wire or trusting myself a ton in trades that I kind of thought my my initial venture into dynasty was man you kind of have to build it and then you're just going to have the annual draft but uh, you really have to quote unquote do it all on your own meaning it had to be some self-encased universe of I have to have anything and everything all different facets of of production and youth and longevity and all these things but at every single position on my dynasty roster like and just I remember the the decisions that that impacted for my startup draft when really now it's about you know getting the best players you really don't think about your lineup um, you know in the you know oh it's four months away I got to think about week one and things like that that just sound you know silly now but back then I really was you know I was coming from redraft world and it was uh, something that impacted especially the mid rounds of man all of a sudden you're creating secondary plans at positions that you wouldn't ordinarily uh, do it based on the format and just so so thinking about the overall team and and value uh, instead of uh, thinking about you have to almost build two separate rosters almost like here's a lineup. Okay, now what's my secondary lineup? And then what's my backup plan at every position when really, I mean, you're, you're not giving enough credit towards the waiver wire being adjust with being able to adjust with trades, future drafts, all those things that that I think I was undervaluing. Um, what are if it's one or two, that's fine. Any position could be rookies. Um, what who are some of your most owned dynasty players? I think, I think it's still like, I I own a lot of Todd Gurley. I own a lot. Does that go? Does that go all the back, way back to rookie time? To so two thousand fourteen. Yes. Your whole career. Two thousand fifteen. Okay. Correct. Um, and I'm and now he's a good buy. He's very cheap. A lot of people are giving him away because of the knees, and they think that he's done. And I think he still has at least a couple years left where he can really help your team and talk about a very cheap super bridge i think you can get him for a late second a lot of people no i do i think uh i've seen a lot of trades where people are just throwing girly away and if that's the case i would take him i mean i'm not gonna pay a well uh it's tough this year's class is so talented but i would pay a 2021 first for him 
Right. I wouldn't. I was gonna say that late first. Yeah. Early second the, yeah. Sort exactly. Of the typical. The typical zone, and if you can get them for less, absolutely. Exactly. Um, so still girly. So so he was an organic or organic running back. Yes. You got a lot of shares out of startups and rookie drafts that year, and you've held them ever since, and that included two years as the number one overall running back. Yeah, I've got a lot of Devonte Adams. I've got a lot of Amari Cooper. I've got a lot of Michael Evans. Um, I've Who got- do you think was the uh, the twenty twenty rookie you got the most shares of? offhand whether it's you know you got to maybe as devy and now they're right. coming into the league and and those ones that are just stock i think it's best. i think it's a combination of deandre swift and aj Dillon. i was gonna guess swift yeah definitely. swift for sure you, you got i got a lot of i got Debbie. a lot of shares of him on devy and then i got That's a lot of shares software. i i you know anywhere in the 104 to 108 range he's usually been falling and so you get him for a discount in rookie drafts, so yeah. I've been taking that. He's been discount. going as running back four and five, a right. decent amount for sure, and I'm sure that yeah. pleases your eye. Oh yeah, absolutely. And there yeah, have like been times, drafts. honestly, Chad. There have been times where I've had the 102, and if Jonathan Taylor goes one, right, I'll take DeAndre Swift too. I well, if take, I can't take trade back, there, right. yeah, if I can't trade back and get a uh, a decent reason to, right. Um, yeah, I would say, you know, I still own plenty. Will Fuller's always been one of my guys that I feel like the market is not, and injuries have certainly not gone his direction, uh, but I'm one that doesn't really go towards the injury prone thing. So right. Fuller has always been one to me that even if you had aspirations that he was going to be some longer term wide receiver one for your team, you just kind of shift that. Uh, for me, Will Fuller has just shifted into, man, if he's the last guy I start as a flex or a wide receiver, ton of weekly upside like when he is healthy and i think this year is going to be a whole lot of fun to just kind of see if he is healthy how that pans out with deshaun watson and no deandre hopkins and uh that that's just one of my favorite watches is going to be houston oh yeah but uh but uh, but but will fuller's been one of my veterans for sure uh mike evans and amari cooper just from acquiring shares whether it's startup drafts um and then aj Dillon has been I, I think he and Cam Akers, because Cam Akers has sort of been that guy I've broken ties in that two to five, six range. But A.J. Dillon, I always find like you can easily get a lot of shares in that late first, early second, and then late second. That kind of zone, just because you can trade back to there, you can trade up to there. You probably, you know, I, I usually have extra seconds, so you can move up with those picks. You just have a lot of flexibility. And A.J. Dillon is like the... Alexander Madison or James Conner of like he landed in a spot that people are like oh my god he's so blocked and my favorite guys are the ones that go day two I like the profile and yet they're so blocked they'll never get an opportunity and by the quote never will end up being in the next 18 months so you just got to kind of wait that out um do you generally if you had a which of these applies more to you do you generally sell a player a year too early or a year too late early okay and are you? And you said that very quickly, so you're confident in the answer. And are you fine with that? Do you think that is actually the correct answer? It depends. Yeah. Um. It it sucks when you sell someone early that has longevity, and you didn't think that they were going to, and you right. probably sold a little cheaper than the market value because of it. You thought he was more of a hot potato than he was. That hurts, but. You know, you got guys that you hold on to and you never get to sell them. They drop off. Matt Jones 
for example. Yeah. Uh, that's just one example, but there's a gazillion examples of waiting too long. Kalen Balaj had a window, and now he, oh, yes. he's got nothing. Um, Katie, do you remember Matt Jones? There was like this two-week sample. Yeah. Like, I think he had a 100-yard game or whatever. Yeah. There was this pocket of time, and this is why... He was worth at least a first. He was worth a first. You could get a first, and then by a month later, you couldn't even get a second. And then, it, and then by another month later, you couldn't even get a fourth. And then by the off season you cut him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was so Heck. swift. Exactly. Oh my exactly. god, I remember that. And so that's, a, that's a sort of prism. It's hard to relate to people who are like, "What? What are you talking about?" That's in season dynasty trading right there. That's the week to week valuation we talk about. That you have these little pockets where you can get something, and then in a month maybe you can't. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people think that I'm stitious, but I'm not stitious. I'm superstitious. <laughs> and there are times where I I honestly believe if I can't trade a guy in the off season, I always say, okay, well he's gonna hit because he's meant to be on my roster. Right, for exactly, season, exactly. It's, it's like he's gonna hit, and generally he does. But then it's just the opposite. If there's other guys where it's like, okay, I I really um, I want to get rid of him. But then, on the other hand, the the field is buying. There's usually some longevity to that kid. Like yeah, Christian would... McCaffrey, for example. He was a good one. Like He had such an outstanding rookie season. I tried to sell high on him, but you couldn't sell high enough for what he's worth right now. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I would say, for me, it was... I, I've come around... Well, one of my learning lessons is... The all timers, and I, and I almost have to have it. You almost have to have an asterisk next to certain players. And you know, right now Brady would qualify, Drew Brees, Larry Fitzgerald over the last few years. I remember Tony Gonzalez, you know, holding on. Greg Olson, you know, this mm-hmm. year might be the most recent example of this. But like, if you have an all timer, that th- there's minimal trade potential of selling that player versus what they could provide to you, whether it's one year, two years. I mean, some of these guys have been near, have been a fraction of what their actual utility is in terms of trade value for a while. And so I think it's important to not sell those guys short. I, short. I mean, if you sell, sold Larry Fitzgerald four years ago for a second round pick because you're like, I got to get out of here. You know, that, I mean, look at how much you've lost out. And just keep betting on the all-timers. Now, I guess we could have, you know, th- there's a conversation about, well, there, here's some tweener types that, are they an all-timer or not? Do they fit Chad's criteria? There's not, it's not a set criteria. What I mean is an all-time player and, or, you know, a generational, the last 10, 15 years, are they one of the best players at their position? And they've done it for 8, 10, 12 years. So you kind of know it when you see it. And if you have one of those guys generally just just keep holding them and i i think that risk where when i first started out that you're going to sell it you have to get something for the player because the worst thing in the history of earth is if they retire off of your roster and that's really not the worst thing in the world it isn't it frees a roster spot you probably used them the past year because if they're still in the league and that's what makes jason witten in my opinion so interesting that he's an all-timer and yet he goes to the raiders you expect him to be absolutely the backup but yet you really, you don't really bring those guys in. I remember Ladainian Tomlinson on the Jets, you know, and it's like he still was like a, a top thirty running back in PPR. I think th- I think that was his last year, but like so, it's gonna be really weird if Jason Witten is like tight end forty, 
you know, on the year and, and complete, you know, he sees uh, just a, a smattering of targets, really nothing going on because that typically is not the equation. So I guess Jason Witten up until this year would certainly be another one that qualifies. But that would be the one thing is like, you know, don't run for the exits when you're really not getting a whole lot in return and you're betting, you're basically betting against an all-time player. Yeah, I mean, there's Rodney Dangerfield players for whatever reason and the older these guys get, the more they become a Rodney Dangerfield type player. And Frank Gore, for example, Adrian Peterson, um, guys that have been around and done it forever, you get a huge, huge discount. But don't be the dude that gives the discount. On players like that, they're bridge or super bridge and just ride them out. It's okay if they die on your roster. It's okay if they retire on your roster. This is dynasty. And in the meantime, your young guys are coming up behind and just keep a balance. That's the whole thing is just make sure that you keep that balance. You've got that good influx of farm team. And you need a few players that are going to age out or leave right. your roster. And it's either going to be some young guy that was an undrafted free agent, didn't pan out. And guess what? Now you got to make your third round rookie pick time to move on. If you got a, a retired player or two, it's okay. Right. And so you've got guys like that, that, you didn't even have to pay for them to be bridge players because they're just getting older. That's okay. That's just the maturation of your team. That's the way it goes. Uh, but keep the balance. So you've got three or four guys at this level. You got three or four guys at this level. You got another three or four guys at this level, and you're good to go. And then be patient with your younger guys. Don't sell oh, them yeah. too early. That's the biggest thing that I've seen is people yeah, give guy up. with a pedigree and a profile. Yeah, they, it's like, yeah, you too. And, and it's they like, give oh, up on I them. It's like, now. no, you, you cannot shoot yourself in the foot. You can't Because a lot that. of times those young guys, especially these are the ones you, you targeted in a startup draft or rookie draft. So you like them to some degree. That, that's the other part, right? Don't draft guys you don't like. I mean, just because, oh, they fell four spots. I got to take them. No, you don't. Take right. your next guy. Don't take the league's next guy. Don't take ADP's next guy. Who do you right. like? And if you take him early, who gives a care, right? I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna look back two years from now and, and look at your roster and be like, oh, I remember I took him too early. I remember that. No, you're gonna remember. Well, was my value was my projection for the player right or wrong? That's what you're gonna remember. The where you, if you took him at 107 or 112, it doesn't really matter. It's whether or not it's whether or not your your uh, your targeting of them was correct or not. That's the part. Um, what is one bad habit you have as a dynasty owner? <sighs> if you're self, self-scouting. Right. Or what would someone else say is your bad habit if they knew you really well and playing leagues against you, all that kind of stuff? Or what's a recent bad habit that you're trying to fix? You're on the road to recovery, Katie. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm drawing a blank. Um, okay. I, it's not that I don't, I'm sure I have some, but I try to keep them small. I try to mitigate any right. of, any of my weaknesses to where they're not. Make a small miss. Yeah, I think that, exactly. that, that's a good one, right? You, well, actually you always say for others, you always say, if, if you're going to lose a trade, like make sure you reason it out. So you mitigate the possibility that you're going to have a horrifically bad, I lost this in a cratering fashion and it really affected my team for multiple years type trade. Right. I mean... I know you've said that before. Yeah. I mean, I try to be very disciplined and listen to my own advice, uh, you know, with rookies, with bridge players, super bridge, trading at certain times a year. 
I try not to get too caught up in the hype of any particular player. If anything, I sell into the hype instead of away from a hype. Um, that would be one thing, just to hit on that with yeah. what you just said. That, that would be one thing I would say for myself is I really, the whole like, the typical cycle this year isn't typical, but typically, you know, if it's if it's mini rookie mini camps or May news, June news, July news, I am typically I, I would say one of my faults is I underreact to that stuff. And, and that would align with remember, I think it was last May or so when Darren Waller was getting some steam and it was like, oh, you know, this could actually be a thing. You know, I mean, they don't really have some setup roster, you know, depth chart there. And, you know, Darren Waller is, quote unquote, lighting up camp. And and we know we hear those reports and a lot of times it's not true. Or whatever. Right. But Coach speak, I you re- got so, to read to me that's the lines. Re- to me, that's redraft stuff. To me, that is more of a redraft thing because the roster spots are more valuable and a little less fungible in Dynasty. Um, so I would say I'm typically underreactive on that. And there are plenty of times, though, where I... I still might have a little spidey sense there. It'd be like, oh, this might be worth making a move, but I typically underbid. I'm not saying like when you look at the macro, it's wrong, but that definitely means I miss out sometimes on those chances to get the player that's the spike guy that was off the waiver wire in August. And, you know, he ends up running with the job in, in week one. And, you know, so I typically miss out on those types and, I'm not going to say big picture, that's bad process, but I think to be a little more well-rounded, I should be a little more open to that is what I would say. Yeah. Um, all right. Without naming names, uh, do you have any enemies in the fantasy world? I'm it could be someone who writes or records. It could be, is there like certain league mates where you're like, Oh God, not that person again. Like, do you have anyone that you would classify in that ilk? I personally, <laughs> I personally don't have enemies, but I think that there are people that don't like me, okay. and I I get You're a little bit of, of friction. <laughs> right? What? No, I mean You're I an enemy of others. To, if if they were answering this question, right? So it, yeah, I mean I I'm not perfect. I never have been, never will be. But I am a Libra, and I am a person that <laughs> I am a I'm an optimist. So I look at not rose colored glasses but i do give the greatest acknowledgement to the person that i'm competing against whoever it may be we can be rivals but we can be friends and we can banter back and forth and things like that i'm sure that i've said something or done something that has pissed somebody off and made them my enemy i don't personally have enemies and I, I can't think of anybody that I would say, oh, I wrote them off like they they suck and I just wouldn't ever want to deal with them or do anything with them. Like, well, it sounds like you did, you partition off disagreement, argument. I mean, you can be actually mad at somebody about something. It could be for five seconds. It could be for an hour. It could be for a week. Who knows? But that doesn't mean that they're your enemy. And it doesn't mean you don't like them or respect them is what I'm hearing. Yes, exactly. It's like whether that's on social media or in person or, you know, whatever it is. Right. No, I, I think that's a fair statement. Okay. Um, I would say enemies is a strong word. I have people that I think are dreadfully overrated. Um, I'll say that. Um, and, and frankly, I'm not on social media or I don't listen to enough other podcasts, uh, that I would say I know enough or have interacted with them enough to even say that we are worthy of calling, you know, of me calling the other person an enemy or an adversary or whatever. Um, so 
that's part of my sort of I'm focused inward and I'm kind of focusing on being better myself. And I don't know. I, I'm just one of the people that if I were to consume like, oh, I need a better lay of the landscape. I need to listen to every dynasty show out there or, you know, 12 fantasy podcasts every single week. I think that would that would just lead me astray uh, more so than uh, kind of help what I'm doing. So that's that's more of a personal thing for me. Um, do you have an early 2021? This could be someone maybe cause since Devi drafts are over, um, but maybe someone you're already kind of earmarking that you might be interested in for, for Devi draft purposes or a 2021 rookie crush, someone that you're already kind of feeling the tea leaves, whether it's through your Devi leagues that you can see drafting a lot of in, in rookie drafts next year. Well, I really love Rondale Moore. And depending on where he goes in the NFL draft, he may or may not be, he's probably not going to be the biggest uh, value. <laughs> yeah, that's my nephew in the background. He might be, though. I mean, he I think he's going to go, I mean, like, Jalen, could, he's gonna could, go like mid-first, maybe. He, he very first. well could be. I mean, you've got yeah. Jamar Chase, you've got... Yeah. You've got uh, Travis Etienne, uh, Chuba Hubbard. I mean, there's a lot of guys, but a lot can change, as you know. But I've gotten a lot of shares of him and Devi. I would continue to get him in rookie drafts. I think he's going to go high in the NFL. He's somebody that I I really appreciate his game. He's not the biggest dude in the whole world. He could use a few hamburgers between now and then or sandwiches. Uh, What would he squat then, 700? Because he's already a monster. No, he is a monster (laughs) for his size. It's crazy how strong he is. He is a monster for his size. And a lot of people, they just look at size and think size matters. That's it. But you have to look at everything. And if you look at the whole picture, I think he's he's a very well-rounded guy. He's going to blow the doors off Ah, any any workout. Yeah. Any day – Line them up. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And there's a lot okay. of guys with, with question marks, with in, uh, injury question marks and COVID-19 question marks. Uh, it'll, since we, it'll well, since you said Rondell Moore, um, yeah. that's who I was going to say. And I was okay. like, eh, Katie might say him. Yeah. But I'll mention, a, I'll mention a guy that I'm just fascinated by. And this could go a variety of directions, I feel. So it's either going to be like, boy, this is one of the best especially like a year ago and even this year it's pretty affordable but i think seth seth williams i mean oh. you kind of talked about him what a couple it was it a couple years yeah, ago I've, maybe yeah i've i've yeah, turned, been talking to I've me about you him on, on Debbie shows. i've turned yeah, you yeah. on to him like i do i really like seth he's williams. so intriguing yep i mean he's he's top one percent in the model right now he's gonna he's really young yep. and if he comes out next year i mean he's gonna have the prototypical size He's got Bo Nix coming back. I mean, it feels like everything kind of points to him being right there with any of the top wide receiver prospects in a very good wide receiver class of saying, how does this go? But it's really hard for me to think that if he kind of finishes his profile how it looks right now, it's hard to imagine that he's not a top 45, 50 pick with upside from there. And yet I don't know if a lot of people are kind of projecting that now. So it's it's just kind of weird. Like you look at some projections and it's like, oh, some people have them like not even in the first two rounds. And I'm like, wow. Um, like, I don't know what happens to him over the next 10 to 12 months. But yeah, I, I mean, mean he, seem, he seems definitely on. I know he's not the biggest name and there's other much bigger names that have been uh, banted about as as one of the top names for next year. And he's not on that list, you know, dating back to incoming freshmen. And maybe that's just he's one of those slower to get all the way there names that people are going to have to warm up to, I think. I agree 100%. He, he's the kind of guy that 
you know, you've got Justin Ross that's already injured and going to be missing this year. And maybe everybody yeah. misses this year with everything that's going on. We don't know. We yeah. There's too many question marks. But, man, I really do like Seth Williams a lot. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, one that I, I, I kind of alluded to it earlier. Um, between This is for Houston. Between okay. David Johnson, Brandon Cooks, and Will Fuller, is there one the answer you think uh, as they all seem undervalued for what they could be this year right do you have more faith in one as opposed to the other two in terms of man they could be a top 12 running back or top 12 wide receiver and they're all priced that there's plenty of profit potential if that were to occur there there is plenty of profit potential because they are all very cheap but i think that the answer is david johnson just based on the offense based on his receiving game, if they utilize him properly. Well, they gave up a ton to get him. I so. know that. Exactly. So it's <laughs> yeah. not like it's not like they don't think that he's got juice left. And Duke Johnson's never been the answer for anybody, even though there's factions that yeah, have Yeah, I mean, you can go on Jeopardy a million times out of a million, and Duke Johnson will never be the answer. Yeah. Or the question. People still, people <laughs> still think he is the answer, though, that David Johnson, I know, I know. like, this will be the year and somehow, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, so David Johnson's your answer. Uh, man, because that attachment to Deshaun Watson, I mean, the fact that... That's a nice that's that You a nice see mix. a lot of projections, though, and it's like, they, if, you, if I see a projection and David Johnson's not in the top 25, and then you look over at wide receiver, and Cooks and Fuller are outside the top 30, like, that doesn't make Some, sense right. to me. Some, that's a projection that rise. Take a stand. Right, Take a one. stand and be loud. If you're going to be loud wrong... Right. Oh, sorry, if you're going to be wrong, be loud wrong. Put somebody in, like one of those wide receivers, whether it's per game, whether it's, they're healthy for almost every game of the year, one of them's going to be top 24, if not top 20. And, or if neither of them are, David Johnson's a monster, right? I, I just don't see it funneling to tight end so much. Or like one of those three feels like they're going to absolutely be a quasi game changer for how much they cost right now. I just. I'm yeah. not telling you, like, I, I feel super confident in one particular guy, but they're all three cheap enough that I wouldn't mind owning two of the three. Or and three the ironic three. thing is people are putting Deshaun Watson in the top five of quarterbacks. Yeah. But yet they don't have any of they don't have any of his targets in the exactly. top 20. you got to so, pair it with something. you exactly. got to pair it with something. Pick a number. Take your stand, yeah. like you said. Somebody's yeah. got to. Someone's got to, and, and you know, it's like Cooks has a bad rap because you, you know he's the perennial wide receiver two type, and you know last year I think it was his first I think time missing game. Missing game, missing game, and now it's like, oh, Brandon Cooks is so injury prone. He's missed yeah. like two or three career games. Yeah, and Will yeah. Fuller, if you look at if he's actually healthy, what he does, I mean, it, to me, it's just going to be how many games does he play? <laughs> like that's going to, like, I mean, anyway. All right, last one. Uh, we'll finish up with this, okay? And then we'll do uh, we'll do final thoughts, okay? If there is no NFL season at all, how would you advise leagues to order their 2021 rookie drafts? I think what you need to do, and I talked to somebody about this the other day, whoever finished in the top six in 2019 should be in a lottery draw. NBA Just style. Right, but based on the weighted, based on, so if you were the 107 you get 20 balls. If you were the 108, you get 15 or whatever the structure is. And if you were the 112, you get two balls. Whatever the chances mm -hmm. are, it's a lottery. And then you yep. take the bottom six teams and you do a weighted lottery. So if you were the 101, 
you get 20 balls. If you're the 102, you get 15 balls. Whatever that ratio is, you get a weighted chance to get the same pick, but it's still within your six. So if you were the bottom six, you're a separate group. If you're in the top six, you're a separate group, and you do the weighted lottery separate. That's what I would do if if there's no games. Right, because you got nothing to go off. Right. And, and I would say, I would actually go one step further. I like your philosophy. I would combine it. Uh, I think I talked with Tim about this. Or So another another version of this would be, we would look at the last two years of what you did and say, put you into buckets of the teams that made the playoffs twice. You're in the, you're in the bottom bucket. And then the teams that made the playoffs once, you're in the middle bucket. If you missed the playoffs both times, you're in the third bucket. And then do what you're saying, which is have some sort of randomized pull within the, so who knows that, 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 that top bucket with no playoff appearances, it might be three teams. It might be five. It might be two. I don't know. Um, but, but some sort of method like that. And I would honestly include a little more, whether it's the season before incorporate something in my opinion, beyond just last year and saying, that's the only year. Like, make it a true rolling dynasty. How have you actually done in a very strange and hopefully one-off scenario of sort of fabricating a draft order, uh, which is going to be very strange. And hopefully, and reiterating what you said a few weeks ago, which is, and I, I think it's a great idea, you've got to, as we the closer we get, and if the season is is looking like it's going to start and going to occur, which we are on that path right now, is... You've got to get in, in my opinion, and you said this as well, as mid, as much of a sample size as humanly possible. Because the last thing you want is it, it goes six, seven weeks, and well, what do we do now? At least if you play double headers, at least if you have some sort of, hey, we're going to track all play, and that's going to be, you know, if, if we don't get a full season, we have this, whether or not we're actually keeping, even if we're not doing double headers, have some ancillary higher sample size result based that we can go off of. That even if we roll forward and we don't actually don't have a prize pool this year and we kick it all ahead because it's just such a partial year, at least you have bigger data points of all play or something else or double header, triple header, whatever, of saying now we have a more robust and better sense of something for a draft order or whatever we need to use that that number, that result based thing from twenty twenty four is what I would say. And you said that double headers, like you gotta get it in there if you're not using it in other years that's fine right so my only caveat to what you said is if if you had teams that were in a dispersal draft they weren't there Mm. two years ago and so that throws off the balance so okay at least if you go top six lower six do the lottery weighted lottery based on finish position I know it'd that- also be fun. It'd also be fun. You could do the video. You could yeah. show the fact that, okay, here is team expendables. You're getting one into the bucket. Here's team expendables. You're getting a second one in the bucket. Like, yeah. It would actually be right. like a whole like 30 minute show. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, it'd be kind of fun too. You get it on zoom or, you know, uh, some sort of video call and all have a coordinated time and be fun. If a league has kept the same owners for two years in a row without any, Okay. Anybody, then I, I got you. Yeah. I would. Agree you don't want to penalize. You. you don't want to penalize or benefit an owner that honestly, in 2019, excuse, excuse me, wasn't there. Right. 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 Exactly. exactly. You're like, hey, they finished horribly, but you finished all right. You know, the year before that, and it's like, but you weren't there. Right. Well, <laughs> so, and it, and with a dispersal, it's maybe a completely different team. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So that, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. So so customize it to your league, and like you said, hopefully. 
and again, the bigger thing is how many games, you know, if we do get a partial season, do we get in? But that's the thing. When we get into August, you definitely – It's not looking good, Chad. It's not looking good right now. With right. what the NFL is saying and what the players are I saying. It, Keeps I mean, backing up one step, I know. Exactly. It sucks. They're slowly because, walking away, I know. I mean, if you were a player, would you want to play under the circumstances that they're trying to make you play under? Like, I plead the fifth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I plead the fifth. All right, uh, final thoughts, Katie. Uh, just enjoy life, man. Life is too short. Just be out there. Do what you got to do. Play in as many leagues as you want to play in and have fun. Like, life is just way too short. Just get out there and do it. Yep. And you know what? As they say, you know, this too will pass. Yes. Whether it's really great times, whether it's really piss poor times or a lot of time in the middle, Ride that, that wave. will pass. Yep. Something will be happening, you know, in your life uh, or in your, in your compass, in your circle, uh, good or bad, you know, life is about change. And the thing, you know, as I get older <laughs> is, you know, you kind of look back and sometimes these little pockets of maybe it's a few weeks, maybe it's a few months, maybe it's a year or two. You didn't know, like you didn't know at the time, maybe how, oh, that really was super sucky or man, like in retrospect, or that was really, you know, over the last five to 10 years, maybe that was some of the best times, you know, whether, whatever the, the life situation you were in. And uh, I think the better you get, you know, as you age, the better you, you will get in terms of acknowledging and recognizing and being open to those settings when you know that you're in them. Uh, you know, I think that would lead to greater appreciation on the op, on the pro side. And then on the, uh, you know, tougher side of life side, you'll, you'll get a little more tolerant and probably a little more hopeful that it won't be like this forever. Um, as you, as you look forward to the next, uh, subset of good times. Uh, so for Katie flower at FF underscore Skyler 399, I am at Chad Parsons NFL. Once again, about utshdynasty.com, sign up, money back guarantee, try it out over the next 12 months. You will not be disappointed. And also support UTH, Tim Torches on the weekly patron feature podcast. Also have a new monthly and and soon to be in season. That'll be close to weekly uh, strategy session with the VIPs over there. A ton of additional content that it's at patreon.com slash UTH. And until next week, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.